0: Educating by sharing our From the Trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise. Balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home.
1: Today, today on the Practical Preservation Podcast... I have Bo Sullivan with me, uh, owner and founder of Arculus Period Design and Boeing and Company. Thank you for joining me, Bo. Pleasure to be here. So tell me about your background.
2: Sure. So I have kind of a unique story. It's almost like looking back, someone would have written it for me to become involved in in preservation the way I have, but it just happened the way it happened. I grew up in a a 200-year-old house in a 300-year-old town on the coast of North Carolina called Beaufort. Tiny little fishing village forgotten by time. Mm -hmm. And my father was a scientist for Duke. And my mother was an antiques dealer. And so I got this unique combination of kind of a scientific mind steeped in antiques and history in an old town uh, growing up in this old house, and it just primed me for what I've done since. And what I've done since is I went to architecture school, got a design degree, and then uh, spent some time doing carpentry on older houses, spent some time traveling and studying in Europe, and then moved out west to Oregon, where eventually I got a job with rejuvenation house parts, which some people may recall as formerly uh, um, major source for okay. folks who are trying to restore and maintain their old houses. That company's kind of moved in a different direction since then. And so I got an education growing up, I got an education mm-hmm. in school, and then I got an education in my work life. And uh, after I left rejuvenation, I launched Arculus Period Design as a consulting resource for people with old houses, and then got into wallpaper and launched Bowling & Company from there. So. That's the story.
1: Yes, I, I think I shared with you when we were setting up the interview that my front porch light came from Rejuvenation.
2: Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it makes <laughs> me very proud. I, I love traveling the country and seeing my children.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do, um, and I love their catalog. I love the the snippets of of people in the in the business and getting to getting to
2: know them. <laughs> well, you probably remember the older. The older catalogs, yes, then. Yes. so that was part of what I did. If I wrote the catalogs, yes. so we've met before, yes. <laughs> just through my writing. Yes. <laughs>
1: yep, yeah. So very. Um, I that, that that. Um, I when I was actually reaching out, I didn't realize that that was your background. So that's kind of exciting. Um, so I think you kind of mentioned it, but do, do you have a reason why why preservation specifically for for your focus or?
2: Sure. So. Preservation means a lot of different things to different people, and it operates at different scales. We can be talking about preservation at the, you know, the state or national level, right. cities, um, neighborhoods, houses, rooms. Mm-hmm. The scale that I respond to and have pursued in my work is the scale of the of the house, and the house as part of a neighborhood, but the house being the focus, and my interest is both in the inside and the outside of the house and primarily it's a combination for me of uh, a strong interest in all the little bits and pieces of the house and this is part of what comes out of my experience with rejuvenation the doorknobs the sash locks the light fixtures the details Yeah. yeah the details how those details all come together to tell a particular story about a particular time but I'm also really interested in the high level view of, you know, what is an arts and crafts bungalow and how does it relate to the trends that were happening in the country at the time right. when it was built? And so I try to bring together this sort of yin and yang of the of the, the big picture, historical context, and the bits and pieces and how they come together and the place they meet is in right. that in that house. And then what really excites me about the work is, using that information to create a place, a space that's beautiful and feels whole and authentic and that people can connect to in a way that's both historically accurate or at least historically resonant, I should say, but also meaningful to the way people live today.
1: I, I, I think that um, oftentimes period homes resonate with people um, like you were saying, because I, and I noticed it, there's a realtor commercial and all the houses they show <laughs> are, are, are vintage. Mm-hmm. They're not showing you an open floor plan <laughs> so there, there's definitely, they, they figured out that that's what people at least want to see in the commercial <laughs> so um, tell me about Arculus, Arculus period design sure,
2: so when I left the U.S.A. I wanted to take advantage of the relationships that I built in the community and the knowledge that I gained through working there, as well as a certain aspect of of the work that I'd done that I carried with me. And that was part of my role as the senior designer and historian for the company was over about 10 years or so, I built up a research archive for the business that consisted primarily of period trade catalogs and old books related to the building arts. And through those catalogs, I could literally step back in time uh, to answer practically all questions about well, you know, what would my fireplace have looked like in 1920. And uh, when I left the company, I still had a, a large portion of his archive, which was my own. And I wanted to use that as a tool to help people connect with and enhance their houses. So my consulting work draws on my architectural background and design experience, but it also draws on the resources that I've built up over time to help people explore not what we think things were like back in the day, but literally what they were shopping from, what they were choosing, um, when they were building their house in the first place.
1: Yeah, I don't think that many people that aren't preservationists by by trade realize that there are pattern books, even going back to colonial times, that you can you can find books that will show you what what was um, what what was there, so that you you don't have to guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, and there's a real for me at least. There's a real thrill to being able to identify something in someone's house find it in an old catalog yes. and kind of close the loop of, these things aren't arbitrary, they're, they're real and they were real to people at the time. And, and there's a story behind, even if it's just a, you know, some obscure piece of hardware or technology that we don't even use in the house anymore. <laughs> right. uh, finding it in the catalog. And then with the wallpaper, you know, being able to uh, see it in an original sample book and discover that, hey, it was available in, in four different colorways. Right. And, you know, I don't like this color, but I really love that color, and yeah. that's kind of exciting. Yeah,
1: yeah that um, that's, I, I think that that's, that's one of the, when you were talking about the the trends, like that connecting the trends to the details, that's one of the things that I, I try to point out to people, like the reason that the Victorian houses got so so busy and so so decorative was because they had the ability to mass produce like and you know some of those things that that we uh, Maybe just take for granted now or assume that they were doing by hand and really they weren't you know They they had they had they were mass producing. So I I I think that those pattern books help to connect that
2: The other thing about the trade catalogs that I really like is often people who are Facing their first opportunities to restore an old house can feel limited by the choices that they feel are available to them. And having a really nice, broad, yet deep collection of period trade catalogs can help to show that there were actually lots of things going on. You know, there wasn't only one kind of furniture for your bungalow. And within that range of stuff that people were choosing from, often a much wider range than, <laughs> than even stuff that's available today, uh, that there's something for everybody in there. And you can find the sofa that's going to be comfortable and also going to be, you know, right. It
1: can, yeah, it could be practical. For the look of the house.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it can, it can yeah. be practical. It, it, it helps to expand a sense of what's possible.
1: Um, are you, for, for your consulting, then are you, do you just stay in the Portland area for your, for your?
2: Primarily in the Portland area, yep. And, uh, and then we've done some fun projects throughout the state and, uh, and when I can help people remotely, that's great too. And, and again, the, the resources help with that because we can communicate through visuals that can be shared right. that don't involve having to necessarily be right there on the site.
1: Yeah, technology. technology is great. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so um, what, what are some of the common mistakes that you see in project planning?
2: <laughs> well, we tend to see mistakes in the places we look for them. Right. And so my focus, my focus is on this sort of, it's on what I call the spell. So I'm not a big proponent of... Uh, period perfect restoration. But what I do feel like the Holy Grail is, is an environment that feels somehow deeply connected to its past. And and when we make choices in the restoration process that potentially disrupt that resonance, what I call breaking the spell, Um, Those are the kinds of things that I hope to help people avoid when I'm working with them. And it might be, uh, here's a great example. So many Victorian houses were built in an era before electricity. And then later the house got updated and all the light fixtures got changed, maybe in 1910. And so it's a beautiful Victorian house with 1910 light fixtures and those fixtures are old. And they're beautiful, and they may even be super nice and fancy, right. but they're they're disconnected from the language of the house of the time, right. and those kinds of things, uh, while they're perfectly fine, they they miss an opportunity to build a bridge to a stronger narrative and a, and a, and a stronger kind of impact. Yeah. So that's that's I don't know if that's a very direct answer to the question. Well, no, I think that
1: yeah, I think that it is. I think
2: missed opportunities. Yeah. We should maybe yeah. say rather. Than, yeah.
1: yeah. No, and I, I think that sometimes people um, when they're planning, they don't plan the whole project out. That's what I see a lot, and so then yes. they they have to do something over again because they didn't they didn't plan for the work that needed to be done. That's the yeah. short,
2: easy, most correct answer to your question: <laughs> not planning ahead. Is is probably the biggest mistake that can happen because someone buys a house and they want to get started right away and they haven't had a chance to live in the house. And kind yeah, of I think to, that people should live in
1: it and kind of see how they're going to use the space before they do anything. That that's what I always recommend. I know that people want to not live through construction, and I don't blame them. But <laughs> I think that I think that that is the, usually the best way for everybody to to have the most um, cohesive space. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know that I was I was on your website preparing for this and you had uh, there was a, uh, a pay, uh, an article I guess or not a, but a, a post mm-hmm. about yeah. your page from history mm-hmm. feature and I thought that was very interesting can you tell me a little sure. bit about that so
2: a page from history was a feature that I did uh, in conjunction with Old House Journal and I've done a couple of them and uh, my collaboration with Old House Journal and Arts and Crafts Homes uh, if you if your readers aren't subscribers, I encourage them to subscribe, just just fantastic, very heartfelt, uh, very relevant discussions of of restoration and preservation type uh, topics. Uh, But but what a page from history was and uh, another feature called From the Archive in Arts and Crafts Homes, we would take an image drawn from from my archive materials, uh, hopefully color images, which I think people can relate to more easily than the black and whites, And then, uh, and then we kind of deconstruct that image a little bit and talk about the things that we see in it. So for instance, it might've been a company that sold uh, drapery, Mm -hmm. but in order to sell the drapery in their catalog, they would show room views. And in that room view, you would see a whole bunch of other things going on that are really fun to dig into and talk about a little bit. It might be about how they used uh, portable lamps in the room to, to spread light around. It might be how they chose colors for the rugs to relate to the carpets. It might right. be the way the furniture all worked together, where they used wicker or where they used mission furniture. So each of these little single images can be a touchstone for drawing out all sorts of uh, what I find to be interesting stories about the way people lived in and decorated an environment.
1: Yeah, I think that that's, um, that's very interesting. I belong to a group on Facebook that's mid 20th century ads because mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I just like oh, yeah. this <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know, once in a while somebody will dig into like what is this ad telling us and it's always interesting you know you always get people who just want to post the the not politically correct ads just to get the controversy going but there's so much um there's so much to be seen from just like glimpses into those past into the past to, to get you know understand how, how people were living
2: and there's a lot to misunderstand in that kind of information. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, every every manufacturer had an agenda. Oh, yeah. In their catalog <laughs> or in their, in their ads. And of course, there are all layers, of other types of, of cultural right. uh, dynamics that were going on that are either glossed over or right. uh, or certain parts of the dominant culture just assume were the way it was. Yeah. Servants, for instance, right. um, uh, that that really warrant some. Pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> discussions. Yeah.
1: So so tell me about uh, bowling and company. I know that um, I did get a tour of mm-hmm. of your of your archives and your and your display and, and your production area. I'm I'm very impressed with it, but but tell me about it. Tell sure. me about so, how you came about that. So
2: bowling and company is a business that um, buys, sells uh, tweaks. Uh, museum quality antique wallpapers. So not reproduction wallpapers, but the real actual original wallpapers. I got into it through my interest in trade catalogs. The first full-sized wallpaper sample book I ever bought was from 1904 and it just blew my socks off. I've never seen anything like it. The colors, the patterns, the textures, just the visceral richness of these papers. They're not like papers today, and we have the opportunity to, to see so few original wallpapers in context that, uh, that I think people carry around a lot of stereotypes about what wallpaper is and how it gets used that aren't really accurate and and miss the really special parts of uh, early, uh, early 20th century, late 19th century wallpapers in particular, where my interest is. And so, uh, what we did with Boeing Company was acquire original rolls of wallpaper that had never been used. There's often not enough to even do a wall, but it's too special to throw away and we use those wallpapers to create mounted and framed heirloom quality wall decor so you may not be able to handle a whole room of some crazy Victorian wallpaper, but four square feet of it's just enough yeah, to, yeah.
1: and they and they are very beautiful and i um I wanted to mention your screens too. Oh yeah, you had, the room, you screens, those, room yeah, dividers. Yeah, have those on um, on the website, and I was I was um, very I, they're
2: they're just beautiful. Um, they're super fun, yeah. and it was a historical pattern. So that's another one of these great great things to dig into. Room dividers uh, when houses had lots of people living in them, uh, not a lot of private space, and the kinds of activities that we take for granted in our big houses today couldn't really happen in private as well in these older houses so room dividers played an important role for being able to you know sometimes the sink would be in in the in the room right Uh, you could divide that area off and hide it so you could change clothes or do whatever you need to do behind the divider we've we've kind of lost the pattern language of room dividers in old houses but they often were made using wallpaper yeah and so it's a great way to reuse the original papers and and recapture that
1: and you um those are the, all of the uh, wallpaper products are
2: available on your on your website. So many of our okay. original papers are available and we have many more that, uh, <laughs> that circumstances have prevented, it, prevented us from getting online yet, but uh, we have a very large inventory. And, and really the, the entry point for anyone who might be interested is to just kind of dive in. Wallpaper isn't for everyone. However, I do believe there is a wallpaper for everyone. Find the one you love. You know, you can, you can hate 99% of it, but that that one paper that really uh, sets your heart on fire, that's what we're there to help you find. And then when you find it, what can we do with it to bring it into your life in yes. a way that you can look at it every day and get you know, pleasure yes. out of living with
1: it? It is definitely, um, definitely artwork. It is, it's not, it's. Um, I don't think I could handle it on an entire wall, but yeah, in small, in small <laughs> sections, it's very beautiful. Yeah, and and there's there's texture and depth and and uh, metallics. There's very. You know, the
2: metallics are really the, the part that that, uh, that we that we lose today in a lot of the new wallpapers that just made rooms come alive back in the day, especially under the kinds of lighting conditions that existed back then. Yes. Um, rooms felt really different. Under carbon filament bulbs or gas chandeliers than right. they do today, where we blast out the the light in yeah. every corner of the space. Yeah, the
1: the um, that makes me think there's a room in uh, Williamsburg that's um, lime green because mm, of the mm-hmm, candlelight. Mm-hmm, they needed to mm-hmm. be able to reflect and get it bright enough. I think we we're probably dealing with some of the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what um, challenges or trends do you see um, in in preservation?
2: Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, um, I would say, oh boy, I can come up with a long list of them. Uh, one of the things that, so so in my daily life, besides Arc and Bowling Company, I also work in the door and window replacement business for older houses. And one of the things that we struggle with here in Portland with, uh, with doors and windows, are the guidelines in place in historic districts and uh, i definitely have a foot in both worlds on this topic i understand the importance and, uh, and need to protect what's special about our old neighborhoods and if people are going to invest in and maintain the houses in these old neighborhoods which costs a lot of money to do right. they really need and deserve to feel comfortable in those houses. And they need to live in a way that um, is relevant to, to the way we live today. So finding the right balance uh, for, for windows in particular in older houses is tough. And the historic guidelines uh, can be pretty restrictive in ways that I sometimes feel are actually counterproductive to the long-term preservation goals. If you make people hate their old house because it's such an ordeal to, right. to restore it, then they're gonna go somewhere else mm-hmm. or they're just not gonna do the work and the house is gonna suffer for right. it. So that's one challenge that I see. Certainly in the, in the marketplace of restoration, the, what I call the eclectic trend, mm-hmm. which has been a trend uh, for, for some time uh, there was a period of time in the 90s and early 2000s when restoring—well, restoring is a strong word—when updating your house in a period-sensitive way was like the gold standard. That was what everyone wanted to do. Eventually, trends you know move on, and tastes shifted to what I call the eclectic trend. And the goal there is to show how you're not a slave to your old house by all the different things that you can oh, yeah. you can put in and do to like it. Like
1: mixing and matching. Sure. Food, so. Let's
2: paint the house yeah. black. Let's put um, you know a, a real mix of of, of furniture. And furniture is okay. You know things that that um, that go out with you when you leave the house. Great. Do right. whatever you like. That's that's uh, um, your personal taste. And and the next uh, steward of the house is not gonna have to deal with those things. But the permanent changes. Uh, oh, I hate that tile on the fireplace, and I'm going to tear it out right. and put in, you know, rusty stainless, uh, rusty steel, or something cool. Uh, those are permanent changes that uh, that are unfortunate and and uh, warrant a little more thought.
1: I, I agree with you. I um, we have in in Lancaster, we have um, some house flippers that drive me crazy. They they keep putting fake shutters. On houses that never had shutters. And they're not even real shutters. They're <laughs> two by sixes. Yeah. And <laughs> they're just gonna they're just gonna fall off and warp and do whatever a two by six does when you mount it on the side of a wall, you know, in a couple of a we couple can do a whole podcast. Yeah. And then, but and, and um and the the other thing that that they do is they'll take plaster off to expose the brick. And that mm-hmm. drives me crazy mm-hmm. too. Um, because that's not ever how it was. (laughs) So that
2: speaks to uh, something that's quite common in the world of old house renovation, and that is people making choices based on what they think was old, uh, and the exposed brick is a classic example. Another example is that Victorian has to be fancy, quote-unquote fancy. Um, And and I don't think it's done in bad faith, uh, no, I think a lot of people yeah. just don't they think they haven't it's had a chance yeah. to be exposed yeah. to what it was really what it was really like, and and, uh, and it can make for some pretty unfortunate decisions that are hard to reverse yeah. and
1: uh, and expensive to reverse. I mean that that's yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if somebody if somebody comes in, I mean the shutters can come off pretty easy, but replastering the wall, it gets
2: expensive. That's one of that's the things I learned in the door replacement business is that when someone makes a cheap, poorly informed decision at any point right. in the history of a house, it becomes that much more difficult and that much more expensive to correct it later. It's so much better for everyone down the road if it can be done well the first time. Uh, and. And the hack job, yeah, you, know, you know, it was cheap, saving money. <laughs> but did you really do the house any favors? Right,
1: right, and well, and we always say, you know, if you if people, you know, on average, only live in their house for seven years, right. you don't, you don't. Know, you never some have to people, the yeah, Some people of don't. Yeah, some people don't care what the next person has to do. <laughs> so, is there um, anything else that you thought of while we were talking that maybe you want to share before before we kind of wrap up?
2: Well. One thing that comes to mind is that uh, it kind of goes back to the topic of people feeling limited in their choices for for doing old houses. Uh, it, it's really challenging to find the the freedom, the the combination of knowledge and creativity that allows you to do an old house in a very inspired way, while not feeling like you've had to give. Up, part of yourself to do it. There, there are plenty of people who really enjoy subordinating themselves to the house, uh, and and they're not doing damage to the old house in that kind of relationship. But there, there is a tension between this this desire to make your own mark on a house and uh, and respecting its its character that um, that is really only solved through working with people. Who are able to bring an informed historical creativity to a project. Those people are hard to find, and I wish that we had more of them out in the world uh, so that, that old houses don't become a series of, of unpleasant problems to solve, right. but rather really exciting opportunities to do fun things. Yes,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that working with someone I just was talking to a woman last week and she said, Oh, I wish I would have known about you when I was looking at, you know, converting a warehouse. And she said, because everybody I talked to is overwhelmed. But I said, well it is overwhelming if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I said so it's probably better you didn't get it, you know, get involved with the people who were overwhelmed. So do you um, have any offers for our listeners? Anything you'd like to promote? Oh sure. sure.
2: So one of my goals in life is to dispel stereotypes about a wallpaper and really help people fall in love with incredible uh, stuff that was, was available back in the day. So, for anyone who wants to go to Bullying Company, our website is bowlingco.com and explore our wallpapers. If there's something that they find there that they fall in love with, we're offering a 15% discount on any purchase over $100. You can use the code PP21, and uh, and don't hesitate to engage us in a conversation about something that you find that you like, or something you find that you almost like, but not quite. We may well have inventory here of other papers that aren't on the website. Uh, anything we can do to build bridges uh, from wallpaper uh, to the hearts of well, folks today. is yes. yeah. something we'd love to
1: see happen. Yeah. And how can our listeners contact you? I know you just gave mm-hmm. the website. Yeah. Is there... Um, sure, is that I can the best be reached
2: way? through uh, my website, arcalus.com, A-R-C-A-L-U-S.com, or through Bullion. Okay, Very
1: good. Well, thank you so much for um, for um, recording with me today. I, I enjoyed our conversation. Oh, no,
2: it a treat for me.